Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to a special episode of No Small Roles, where we'll be diving into the deep world lore of Dulamir. Today we'll be discussing the creation myth, the passing of the first gods, and a long-forgotten cataclysm that occurred in our homebrew world. I'm David Knight, and today I'm joined by... I'm just throwing it out to you. Whoever answers first gets to go first. Superfan Pippa. <laughs> and Daryl. Hi guys! Hi! Hello David! This is very exciting. Thank you for for joining me to discuss everything, pick apart everything that I've made up, (laughs) and come to some more detailed answers about what has actually happened and what is in my brain. Mm. Are we all sitting comfortably? Yes. Indeed. Then, ready? Law drop! The history of Dulamir. Before. There was no void. There was only a moment. And in that moment sat all of existence. Every possibility collided with every variable. Forces were created, were occurring, and were expended all at once. Beings cycled through endless lifetimes that never came to pass. And at the heart of this ordered chaos, four entities took control. The first, a being of infinite virtue, Sula, gathered the energies of noble morals and peaceful conditions and settled them in a celestial plane where goodness reigned absolute. In counterpoint, the second, a creature of boundless malice, Rag created an abyssal plane in which was caged all corrupt ideals and violent cruelty to lay waste as they saw fit. A spirit of limitless mystery, Io, drew in the wandering energies of playful curiosity and imaginative natures to an ethereal plane that they may never be tethered to the rigid moralities of Rag and Sula. Seeing all that had been left behind, the fourth entity a soul of creativity, Deuce, began to craft a physical plane for them all to inhabit, and life was breathed into a singular world, and it was named Dulamir. 
the passing of the first gods. Deus began to people his world with those that had always existed. He found their first moments and began to order their lives, stringing out that singular moment into many. On seeing all of the potentialities falling to his feet, Deus decided not to discard them, but instead to weave them back into the design. Tying each finished string back to its first moment, he wove lifetimes over again that each creature might see what could have been. He imbued Dulamir with his own powerful magics and took great delight in witnessing the cycling lives take their first eager steps over and over again. And the other gods looked on with burgeoning envy in their hearts. Millennia passed the first gods grew weary. Unlike the creatures of Dulamir, all else had no cycle of lifetimes, only a beginning and an end. Sula was the first to admit her failing strength, and guided the powers of her realm in forming a celestial council to rule in her stead. She retired in an eruption of grace and goodness that lasted an eternity. Rag was not so dignified, and refused to relinquish the abyssal throne to any monstrosity beneath him. He grew feeble, and the hungry eyes of malevolence began to plot his downfall. No one can say what became of Io. The vast question of her reality in the ethereal plane continued to be asked, and the others surmised that she had ceased to exist separately from it. After many thousands of years watching them grow, Deus decided to hand his power out to the creatures he had guided, calling forth those who were capable of commanding the powers of godhood. He offered a test to claim his different aspects. Little is known of who the beings were that rose to godhood, except that they forfeited their potential lives, and since their apotheosis, the new gods, Phaleos, Silvae, Tuvir, and Samsara, have kept the world in check. For a short time, this new paradigm endured, but the wary knew that danger lurked in the shadows of the Abyssal Throne. Indeed, as Rag dwindled in his power, the creatures he had commanded rose up against him and struck him down with ease. Now there came a void, and into it hurtled a devastating war. Where do we start? I mean, that's a very good question. <laughs> Where do we start? That's a lot. Before we dip into questions, can I just give you a moment of appreciation for your phenomenal music that's gone yeah. behind this? Oh, thank you. Yeah, sets the tone really well. I mean, I could talk to you just about that all day, but <laughs> we're not here to do that. So, I mean, yeah, I tried to make it feel as epic and not ancient. That's the wrong word. But Epic's a good feel word. the weight of the history behind it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly, certainly. Had a lot of fun putting that together. Great sense of foreboding as well. Mm. It's like that's history that's happened, but the effect in the world could still eke out mm. in time to come. Oh, and in many ways it has. <laughs> <laughs> and does. And will still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Should we start at the very beginning? I hear it's, it's a, a very, very good, good place, place to start. <laughs> <laughs> Music geeks in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right at the very beginning, mm -hmm. it starts 
with not a void, but with everything. That's my thinking. Yeah. When I first listened to this and I sat and made some notes as I was listening through, it sort of struck me as like a blending of almost like a biblical beginning, but then with elements of like the Big Bang theory thrown in as well. Was that Mm. kind of your intention? Was that conscious? Yeah. I feel like there's a, a lot of sort of when you read sort of creation myths, it's always that there's nothing is there and then something suddenly appears. Or like the thing that was there then gives birth to everything else. So I was trying to think of like a more novel approach to that. And I really like the idea in a sort of like a physics sense that all energy that there is, is constant. Mm -hmm. And that like energy can't be created. It can only be converted. Mm -hmm. Mm. Please don't shout at me physicists. (laughs) I'm sure that's not necessarily correct. So like I liked the idea that sort of applying that to like in a creation way that everything that could ever possibly be already exists yeah it just has no order it is pure chaos and it's all sort of compressed into a single thing Mm -hmm. that has no control or has no purpose almost and that it takes the uh the first gods the uh the greatest beings to pull that apart to try and make sense of it all Mm. like rather than have nothing and then everything springing out of nothing why not just start with everything that was kind of my thinking behind it Cool. So you have four spirits or four beings. Was there a specific one that you kind of envisaged first or did you have an idea and then created a being to fit with that? Why four, basically? Um, I think it started with the um, sort of traditional D&D planes that you've got the celestial plane, the abyssal plane and the ethereal plane Mm -hmm. and then the physical or the material plane. Those four are standards in D&D law. There are then extra planes on top of that uh, you get sort of the elementals and then you get sort of the astral sea and all of loads of extra stuff i was trying to think of how to almost simplify all of that down into just like an understandable set mm-hmm. because yeah there's far too many for my brain hmm. in sort of like canonical D. yeah <laughs> so i started with like and again it kind of ties into almost like a sort of heaven-esque place echoed by the hell version sort of mm-hmm. celestial and the abyssal our world being sort of in the middle of the physical and then the ethereal kind of wrapping around everything. Okay. And then from there, once I decided that that was like sort of the structure of the planes to try and think of how they came into being. And I I figured it would be just be nice if each of those places was like sort of had come from a being that wanted to like embody everything that those planes were about. So I suppose, yeah, the the decision of the first four gods actually just came from the necessity of the planar structure Mm. of the universe that this is all set in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, yeah, again, looking at traditional D&D lore, kind of smushed a few things together. So the abyssal plane, for instance, is where all of the demons and devils exist. It's sort of anything that is sort of malevolent or slightly corrupt, violent. They don't even necessarily have to be creatures. Just sort of those energies and those intentions stem from that place. And in opposite, in the celestial plane, all of those sort of like ideals like justice and peace and those kind of like things that we traditionally consider to be good Mm -hmm. sort of situated there. And then obviously sort of the having decided at least that there was a being in charge of all of those places, how they are and like their intentions kind of just stemmed from what their values were and what their plane represented. So so Sula is obviously very good and peaceful. So when then she passes on, she does it in a very graceful way because that mm-hmm. is embodied in the celestial plane. Whereas, yeah, Rag, who is very much about greed and paranoia and all of those kind of like less pleasant things, like he wouldn't want to give up his power mm. and so holds on. And then Deuce... 
The name Deuce is actually, it's a real world thing. Yeah, I thought so. You sent us players the world notes a few months back mm-hmm. and that one always stuck. I didn't want to like look it up. I actually wanted to be a bit more ignorant about this, like discovering the game maybe. Yeah, so Deuce is a proto-Indo-European figure who is a, a daylight sky god oh so in our own history he's kind of like the forerunner for mythological characters like zeus i thought so it's where the name zeus comes from is deuce but makes sense yeah yeah so i don't necessarily for ours even though i've sort of used the he him pronouns for deuce i don't necessarily consider him even though, again i'm calling him him is not necessarily masculine in like a sort of a fathery yeah. traditional way, like as it has been in our yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Would you say, and this is not me calling you out or anything, that mm. maybe your habitual given the gods pronouns is kind of like a reflection of what stereotypically gender roles are assigned to. So like um, morals of care and peace people stereotypically attribute those to be like feminine ideals sula sula yeah so is that kind of part of it i mean like for a human mortal level understanding like they aren't of a gender that we could probably comprehend but because they embody those values that we identify those with a certain gender they become that gender in human understanding does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah um and (laughs) yeah they are completely like creations of my own bias (laughs) again it is fascinating the like you say they are just entities of emotion and and ideals and values and things they're not gendered in any way and yet i do keep finding myself referring to sula as she referring to io who is sort of imaginative and creative and all about curiosity again in a very feminine way Mm. whereas rag who is more violent and deuce who uh, it comes from this proto-indo-european father figure again i'm referring to them as masculine which yeah I, yeah i see what you mean it is it's is interesting that those sort of structures are things that naturally at least in again my biases um <laughs> like refer like uh, that's what i consider to be sort of the more feminine and more masculine energies but ultimately they're they're not these beings are are far greater than that kind of comprehension yeah yeah it's an interesting one like until i'd written it all down i didn't necessarily realize that that's how i was breaking them down in my head either but it is fascinating to see So I'm kind of intrigued, within the passing of the first gods, Mm. how do you define passing? So is this like a a changing of energy or form? Mm. Because we we mean passing sometimes as like dying. Mm. I feel like like with Sula, she's got the most definitive death, as it were, even though sort of it's described as erupting into grace and glory and basically existing in eternity as this eruption of goodness. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a very definite death as it were but like as you sort of say it's it's it is like a it's not necessarily like sort of the soul has left her or anything like that because she she exists as a as a as an entity as an ideal so yeah i feel like hers is is a death she stops existing basically and all of the energy that made her up again is sort of used in her celestial plane io again similarly no one quite knows what happened to her, but... I was going to ask, do you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I really like the idea that if she's questioning everything all the time, that at one point she just questioned herself, oh. just became a question. Oh, I like that. Stopped being a fully formed thing and mm. became the question about what she is and, and therefore is kind of like 
transcended again, even though she's probably one of the highest forms of creature of thing in our in this world. That yeah, she's just become a question in and of herself. That's really clever. I like that. Rag again does have a very definite death in that he is struck down by all of the creatures that he's drawn to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is murdered for want of a better term he is fully destroyed by everything that he'd drawn close to him that's (laughs) the danger of surrounding yourself with violence really and deuce hasn't actually died didn't think so he has neither died or passed on Mm. he i don't go into it in this history he is just waiting because whilst the four gods that rose up to to take sort of aspects of him they didn't take everything Mm -hmm. um and so he's just waiting for anyone else who has the strength enough to rise to godhood. Mm. Okay. So that is possible for anyone in the world, in anyone in Dulamir. If they are powerful enough to take it on or like face the challenge, then he'll sort of call them forwards in one way or another and let them let them try their hand at sort of stepping up. Mm. He's not in charge anymore, basically. He's retired, <laughs> is what he's done. He's retired and he's got he's got loads of books and he's just waiting to hand books out to people. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's cool. Gives them a kind of like a mortal kind of aspect. In terms of like they can get tired mm. like it's even in like in biblical terms you know god created the world in six days and the seventh he rested like yeah. you know like god doesn't need rest he's omnipotent and all-powerful but he still took a day off yeah he, he had a day he had a day to himself he worked hard yeah yeah so none of these beings or, or gods are are they omniscient just within their their own planes or yeah. do they have any kind of sense of foresight of what goes on outside of their own planes mm. um no i think where they've kind of like drawn things to themselves to build their own spaces mm-hmm. um that there are some barriers between them all mm. so whilst they've probably communicated with each other in some way i can't imagine constantly necessarily it was a friendly fashion (laughs) but what like there was some like awareness of what the others were doing there wasn't necessarily power to stop them in any way Uh, and at least in this kind of like prehistory era that definitely wasn't an issue everyone was just more concerned with their own projects almost Mm -hmm. um their own little planes their own their own questions Okay. Because, yeah, I wondered whether um, any of the other three would have been able to predict, like, the uprising of the abyssal demons or anything like that. I can imagine they... They knew it was coming. probably knew it was coming. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah, again, if you're going to surround yourself in danger and with sort of horrible things, those horrible things are probably going to do horrible things to you. It's not going to go well for long, is it? No, no, no. But whether or not they actually stopped or, like, tried to help in any way, I don't know. There might have been some... Like, oh, be careful. But <laughs> like, ultimately, like, they are sort of constructions of these different viewpoints. So even if one of them did offer any advice, the others probably fully ignored them because they knew better. <laughs> like, uh, they knew about what they wanted and, and didn't want to hear the others' opinions in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a clear distinction between old gods and the new. Mm-hmm. Um, where the world is in timeline of the No Small Rose campaign, mm-hmm. how aware of the mortals on the land aware of the old gods, if the religions of the new gods are the ones that we've heard are practiced in that time? Mm. Um, I think the more academic religious scholars will probably have some awareness and historians would because of the devastating war that uh, that comes from the the, the fall of rag mm. that caused a lot of issue across the plains as we will yeah. shortly be hearing um 
But I think, yeah, in everyday folk who are like sort of following the teachings of the the new gods, they probably don't have any awareness that there were gods before them. Mm. Okay. Um, And again, like all of this is millennia ago. So it really is the longest lived races and species might have some awareness of it, but even they would have forgotten because it's been so many generations. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Sort of, yeah, it, it's sort of that's the, that's the split. Anybody who's like super looking into it and researching it probably find evidence of all of this stuff. But anybody who <laughs> is just living their lives has no idea that this is all going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we hear what happens next? Yeah. Should I play it for you? Yeah. Yes, please. The Hell King Wars. In the heart of the Abyssal Plain, factions of demonic and devilish fiends began to form and tear into each other. And with no being to command the corrupt energies, the decay of the Abyss began to contaminate the other planes. Plagues seeped across the borders of existence, twisting creatures into wicked forms. And creeping into the hearts of mortals came greed, paranoia, Rage. Of all the contenders of the throne, two monstrosities emerged as potential heirs, and they each built formidable armies to continually wage war. Bastagesh was cruel, calculating, and vindictive, forming underhanded alliances in his pursuit of power. His opponent, Makol, was wild, wrathful, and vicious, choosing to command his followers through fear alone. Neither was willing to submit. And as battle after battle was fought, the lines that had been drawn by the first gods began to falter. Called to a summit by the Celestial Council, the new gods briefly stepped away from their duties to discuss how to prevent the spreading disaster. Should they take a side in the fight, or elect an emissary of their own to wrest control of the Abyss? As they deliberated, the war between Bastagesh and Makol roared into the ethereal plane. Whilst spreading malevolence through the realm of imagination, the battling fiends often became confused and lost more warriors to the wandering nature of the plane than to their opponents. While noticing a dreaming veil between the ethereal and the physical, and with the new gods momentarily absent, the violence took hold of Dulamir, and the monstrosities poured in. The people of Dulamir fought valiantly to protect their world, even as the land beneath them was torn asunder. A company of champions was forged to hold the line and drive back the horde. And even with the return of the new gods and a host of celestial warriors, victory was not certain. Seeing the untapped energy of the physical plane as a weapon to be claimed, Bastagesh turned his gaze to Dulamir to consume its essence. Adamant that the life of the world lay solely in her hands, Samsara, the new god who wove the cycle of strings, stepped in before him and sacrificed herself to force Bastagesh back into the abyss. With her death, she was reborn as the Shrouded Lady, a shadow of her former self, and the final battle of the Hell King Wars began. The company of champions were joined on the battlefield by the new gods, who bent the laws of the plane to breaking point to ensure victory. Eventually, the abyssal armies were pushed back to their own domain, and the barriers between the planes sealed shut once again. Those who were caught on the wrong side of the wall hid themselves away, even as they were hunted. With Bastagesh weakened from his vain attempt, Makol gleefully tore him apart, claiming victory and the abyssal throne before naming himself Hell King Eternal. 
Viking. Fascinating. There are two words that jump out at me, David. Mm. Those two words are the words torn asunder. <laughs> and my question without asking you for any spoilers is whether that has anything to do with the note that the company found in the underground tower or whether it's just a cool phrase. There's many ways things can be torn asunder. Yeah. No, I think that's just me really liking that phrase. Okay. <laughs> there is no connection, no connection. I wonder whether there was, you know, flames, floods and the dead rising, whether there was I mean, any kind no. of reference yeah, to this, this big battle. I think that's just how I've envisaged like huge cataclysms, those like like literally the land being ruptured and like torn yeah. apart and sort of all of sure. those natural disasters kind of taking the forefront and just destroying people's lives yeah. in that way. Like the meteorite that hit the dinosaurs. Like mm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like volcanoes erupted and everything. Like it was yeah. insane. That's a cataclysm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's genuinely what I've sort of pictured and like people trying to live through that mm-hmm. can't even like grasp it in my own mind. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no connection to, the, oh. to, a, to a prophecy. On behalf of the superfans, I had to ask. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the idea for the Hell King Wars overarching is it's a way for everything to kind of become a little bit more mixed, a little bit more blended. All of the planes kind of reaching into each other's influences a bit. Mm-hmm. So things like disease and greed and paranoia and rage and all of those kinds of things maybe didn't necessarily exist in our world in, in Dulamir before this event and that it's it has kind of i suppose it's like a like a pandora's box Mm. kind of moment in that like all of the bad things were released but ultimately sort of everything is vaguely brought to some safety at the end but unfortunately like the danger has sort of been unleashed on the world anyway yeah so you've revealed in this that samsara is the shrouded lady Mm -hmm. have you made any decisions on the other new gods as to their possible pasts um not particularly, actually. Samsara, again, is a is a word from our sort of real world sort of religions. Mm. It's, a, it's a concept about sort of cycling life and death and kind of those those kinds of like karma and reincarnation and those things from, from a lot of Indian religions. It's used in sort of Buddhism and Hinduism and uh, Jainism, I think. And when I decided on the cycle of strings and how that works in this world... I was trying to find like a word or a name that would represent her in that way. And and whilst I, I, I danced around the word Samsara for ages, it's also a really beautiful film as well. Okay. There's no words in the film. It's just like sort of imagery from around the world. So like the word was in my head already, but <laughs> the cycle of life and death and rebirth, there is really only that word to describe it in that way. And also just then diving into all of those sort of real world sort of beliefs is absolutely fascinating and 100 percent worth reading into genuinely read further than the wikipedia page everyone it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating <laughs> stuff yeah we've gone away from it a little bit but i thought because you use cycle of strings there's terminology mm. i wonder if you quickly like just explain and expand on why that's important yeah i feel like it, it's vaguely come up in in various conversations we've all had before right so for me the cycle of strings is is a way to get around players having free will, but also being able to put in a prophecy in place. So in Dulamir, and this this is just in Dulamir, in the physical plane, this does not apply to the celestial or the abyssal or the ethereal plane. This is just in sort of in the, in the, in the world. Um, when a person is born, they live a full lifetime. And then when they reach the end of their lifetime, they are put back to the beginning again. And they can play through their entire lifetime again, but 
make a different choice. They can see what the other paths are and they can do that over and over and over and over and over again as many times as they like, sort of looping round and round to, to relive their lives. They're not necessarily reincarnated like down the timeline in that sort of sense. They're sort of stuck in the moment that they're born to a possible end to, to their life. But they can do that as many times as they wish. And yeah, like for me, that means that you can lay out a prophecy and say, oh, these things are going to happen in the timeline. But whether or not like sort of that combination of strings is tied in the right way really then has an effect on whether or not that prophecy does happen. Hmm. Like in one selection of, of strings or like crossing the strings in any way, like it might go really badly. <laughs> I like the idea that it also kind of ties into like divination magics that glimpsing a moment in your future is like looking down the string that you're on to see what happens next which is partly where Kral mm. reached his comeuppance because he was looking so. at too many different possibilities yeah. he was looking across the strings ah, rather than just like okay. down the one he was on yeah yeah he was searching for answers that he didn't have but he knew he could possibly have somewhere mm -hmm. and that kind of messed with him a bit that's why he's sort of a little bit more unhinged unfortunately yeah but yeah i just i like the idea that it means that your life has a purpose but also that you can choose what you're doing because ultimately if you make the the quote unquote wrong choice <laughs> when you like sort of relive your life you can make a different choice and things might turn out better for you that's cool mm. that's great you're blowing my mind david <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna really like bring down the iq of the conversation by referencing dr strange <laughs> go for it go for it it's <laughs> so basically dr strange in avengers when he like yeah he did the finger thing and he looked through the timeline with the timestamp absolutely yeah, yeah, your yeah. explanation is way better <laughs> so, and way more relevant <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well no and i like thinking of it like when you're playing a video game for instance when you make a mistake and you go back to a save point mm -hmm. yeah like it's that kind of like aspect there is a version of you playing right the way through the game without making any mistakes and you get to the end of the story and it's all great <laughs> and <then laughs> there's all of the the attempts along the way that just haven't you're happened like, yeah yeah. yeah 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 um so that's yeah that's what the cycle of strings is which is why obviously then uh samsara was so willing to sacrifice herself to protect that because that's sort of like the core of dulamir the core of what the world runs on mm -hmm. so if anyone's trying to tamper with any of that that could really mess with mm -hmm. stuff <laughs> but her being a goddess uh, her being this sort of having risen to godhood she still still exists but is like i say reborn she almost in my head, when all of those, the four gods sort of move up and take over from Deuce, they give up their string. So they no longer have the option to start again. Okay. But with enough power as she had and being in charge of life and death and rebirth and all the rest of it, she kept herself going, but in a much more reduced form than she was. Mm. Which is why she's now the Shrouded Lady, because she's sort of Grim Reaper-esque now mm. yeah this is very cool <laughs> yeah 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 i have a question about your barrier between the physical and the abyssal plane mm. so do you envisage it being opened again potentially either by gods or by mortals mm, potentially and i'm also more intrigued about people being kind of trapped on the wrong side of the wall mm. do you have anything more specific about that in mind so do they like exist in those planes properly? Do they kind of wither and die? Are they there to kind of cause chaos or? So a lot of this sort of like world law, I actually was creating when writing the, the what, six, seven year campaign that I've been playing with Vicky. 
Okay. Because yeah, yeah. that whole storyline revolves around an attempt to take over this plane again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I should probably come up with the answers for how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, ultimately, you can just about cross through the barriers. It's, it's much more difficult nowadays. It's... Um, Basically, there was a time when you couldn't, when everybody, sort of, the, the first gods were, were in charge. And then as they passed on, it kind of weakened, so that caused all of this disaster. Mm-hmm. And then walls have been put up, but they're not as strong as they originally were. Um, and in, sort of a long story short, in the, uh, the campaign I've been playing with Vicky, uh, Lolth, Spider Queen, <laughs> manages to sort of make it through and tries to take over the cycle of strings so that she could be in charge of this plane. Ooh. Yeah, and basically the entire issue is stopping her from succeeding in doing that in rising to to become the goddess of life and death herself Mm -hmm. as it stands currently in that campaign that has all gone completely wrong (laughs) all of the barriers are completely broken and they're in a dystopian almost like hell king wars mark ii oh no type of situation (laughs) oh no (laughs) where does this sit compared to our five so this sits probably about two three hundred years ago okay oh what? okay yeah not long history oh i thought it was in the future oh no no no, no. this oh, is in past no. but this oh, is no. this is the fun thing about the cycle of strings you see is that i can have a very disastrous campaign in one cycle of strings okay. and it not affect the rest of the world yeah unless you yeah, want it to right. unless i want it to <laughs> yeah they're kind of operating slightly outside of this uh, of the cycle at the moment because of this disaster okay but yeah as for things being trapped on either side so again as part of that story during the hell king wars loth was a general of bastagesh who lost okay oh. cool she in turn had eight demonic generals and they were all captured in artifacts basically soul vessels and those still exist in our world in, in julamir yeah so they're very old they're very powerful but there are at least eight artifacts out there with demons inside of them i want one (laughs) (laughs) and that's it (laughs) sort of enkidu goes off (laughs) just goes demon but it works both ways that some of the the warriors who were trying to defend this world also got stuck on the other side uh, and they just had to survive basically and whether or not they survived by integrating by i don't know hiding who knows but they're they are also trapped out there as well and also, in some way, it, it explains how creatures and species like tieflings and Asamar and dragonborn can exist because their influences, again, would have come from other planes. Mm. Um, and during the Hell King Wars, kind of all of those things kind of got mixed. So like sort of it's been a long time since then. and Everyone's developed their own species. But that's where a lot of those sort of species have their origins are in these moments where extra planar influences have kind of like rushed through the world. Yeah, as it stands, though, any creatures that are trying to reach through, the gods have got it sorted at the moment. There are barriers there that are defended. And it's really only the really underhanded or the almost minuscule threats that manage to just slip through. But then, like, they're let through because it's known that the people on either side can deal with them. And anybody that is trying to reach through to demonic entities are obviously going to sort of face that wrath in some way. They've got a... It's it's a dangerous thing to even attempt, so <laughs> why you would do it, I don't know. Power. <laughs> Power. Arrogance. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, as as it stands again, sort of in all of the planes now, you've got McColl on the on the abyssal throne, lording over everyone. You've got the Celestial Council ruling in a very democratic kind of way in the <laughs> Celestial Plane. Uh the four gods running things here. 
And then who knows what's happening in the ethereal plane? <laughs> who knows? That's a free for all that. Great. I suppose that really only leaves the last section from then until now. Yeah. If you want to give it a listen. Let's hear it. The ages that followed. Even with insight from the God of Knowledge, cataloguing and understanding events has been difficult, and mysteries still pervade the world, with empires rising atop fallen cultures and victors erasing the defeated, leaving the truth in shreds. In studying the world, the academics of Dulamir have divided their history into six periods. Prehistory. The time before the new gods when the world was still young, Understanding the true origins of species relies on finding answers from this era. Though as the gods had not yet taken up their mantles from Deus, even they do not know everything from this time. The Mythic Era This era began with the apotheosis of the new gods, and lasts until the end of the Hell King Wars, roughly 5,000 years ago. With the influx of interplanar influences, New species came to exist on Dulamir, and the land was reformed to resemble its current appearance. Scant records exist of civilizations at this time, as the turmoil of the Hell King Wars kept the entire world in chaos. The Rekindling A thousand year period of rebuilding the world. New countries and cultures were established, New species pulled themselves away from their demonic, ethereal, and celestial heritage. And there was a new understanding of how things were to be going forward. The Age of Antiquity. A time of magical discovery and cultural expression. The countries of the rekindling grew to become new kingdoms and empires. Nations warred against their neighbors and few living had memory of the horrors that had befallen the world. This age ended around 2,000 years ago. The Colonial Era With dominant ideologies claiming swathes of their local land, colonists spread across the world to plant flags wherever they wished. Influence of smaller cultures was diminished even further in favour of the powerful, and even more was forgotten in the grab for resources. The Modern Age Starting with a definition of Dulamir's 18 regions nearly 500 years ago, the modern age has been marred with an attempted usurpation of the gods and a growing influence of interplanar entities. Fundamentally, the world remains intact, but for some academics, there is a rising fear as to what could bring about an early end to the age. The current year is known globally as 486 MA, with Dravain naming the year D624. 624 years since its foundation. In early spring, our heroes arrive in Tillisham, and their story begins. And that about brings us up to where we are now. Fantastic. I was trying to figure out how to break up like an entire world's history. Because obviously, like ours, you, you say, oh, the Renaissance era or oh, yeah. mm. staples set periods of time that have like a very, a very definitive change from beginning yeah. to end. Yeah. And I think you've done that quite clear. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. uh, changing 
motivation, um, a dominance of mortals rather than gods or celestial beings, like mm -hmm. domineering and like maneuvering the world events. Um, it's more people led. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was like the intention. It was to try and make it. Yeah, like as as this entire thing's gone on, it started at the sort of the very top, and it slowly sort of come down to just now it's people. Yeah, like you say, it's it started with world creating entities. And it sort of brought it down to just our heroes ready to go on their adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that, though. Yeah. And trying to find, like, sort of ways in which sort of these things would happen. So, yeah, six eras, prehistory, the mythic era, the rekindling, the age of antiquity, a colonial era, and then the modern age, which uh, the modern age sort of starting with proper, almost like continental lines being put on the world map yeah yeah and seeing sort of these are the different cultures now as they stand so mm -hmm. does that timeline wise does that fit in with like the signing of the accords and the creation of the consortium and all that kind of thing yeah so that actually happens toward the end of the colonial era the previous okay. era mm -hmm. so it's 486 modern age mm -hmm. but for dravain dravain has existed for 624 years yeah gotcha so yeah as part of el timpir specifically the entire region as part of this sort of colonial moving around. I also, I know this sounds weird. I feel like the word colonial has a lot of weight to it, especially mm -hmm. these days where everyone's sort of readdressing and, and rethinking the damage that that can do. Yeah. And it's something that I, I genuinely want to explore, like sort of how it has affected people. And even in a fantasy world, like how those conflicts are ongoing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later and, and mm -hmm. how they're still damaging. So for, yeah, for El Timpir, it started, their sort of like major colonial moment was that elves from a different region were kind of kicked out of their space, decided to land in El Timpir mm -hmm. and took over the place. But then that led to the mortal uprising, which yeah. was the war between uh, the Eilish Empire and then the free peoples who then formed into Dravain. So that's kind of, yeah, why Dravain is sort of like just formed at the end of this whole colonial space. But the entire region is still referred to as El Timpir, as an, an old empire oh. by sort of more global academics and, and politicians. Like that's why this whole corner of the world has been grouped together, even though Eiland and Dravain and Orkosh really don't like each other. <laughs> Those three spaces are not a happy, it's not a happy region yeah, in yeah. that way. Mm -hmm. It's not a peaceful region at the very least. Very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> So in the mythic era, when you say land was reformed to resemble its current appearance, yeah, what did it look like before? Is that just like a physical thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, like comparing it to world history, the difference between Pangaea and and the current world map. Oh, wow. okay. So oh, tectonic okay, plates yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. That because of the upheaval and the war caused by this interplanar fight, mm -hmm. that the land was literally reshaped. It was a completely different structure. There are a couple of places, for instance, that I know specifically were, for instance, there's a place in uh, Silvum called the Carbon Mountains, which was created during the Hell King Wars as a barrier in the middle of an ocean. They just raised, like sort of as part of the fight, they raised an entire range of mountains. That's mm. so cool. To sort of stop boats getting to where they were. That kind of thing is that literally as part of the fighting, the land was physically yeah. changed. Mm -hmm. It was uh, reformed. But since then, since all of that fighting has stopped, it's not had a lot of change. It's only been yeah. sort of 5,000 yeah. years and in that there's sort of, you know, your natural like coastlines uh, shifting and all the mm -hmm. rest of it. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, the odd 
earthquake and flood and, all, and that kind of thing but not yeah not quite in the same way as god's <laughs> tearing up the land literally yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah i need to redraw the world map really i've got a couple of versions of it but uh the prominent one that I've got at the moment is just absolutely covered in scrolls from <laughs> from like notes of locations that uh, it needs to be tidied up a lot. I can tell you that. Yeah, I should do that, and I'll, I'll chuck it up on the socials. Uh, where in the hemisphere is El Timpia? So El Timpia is southern hemisphere. Okay, and if you're looking at it on a um, sort of an A4 page, because surprise, surprise, that's what I drew the map on. <laughs> it's the southeastern corner of the world. Mm, okay, on on an A4 map at least. Great. I'm sure there's one up there, but I don't think I've ever come across a world map. No, I've never seen one either. No, I don't think I've put that out there. Just the El Timpia map. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Dravain map, mm-hmm. yeah. For reasons. <laughs> for, for reasons. <laughs> really, because I've got very little story planned for the other... Where's Offervel? Where can I find... <laughs> Falls. Offervel. Spent a good year of my actual real life there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, is that part of the fun of like having an entire world is that when so I am playing these other games me and daryl we play sort of in an actors group as well mm. how we started playing together mm-hmm. that's set in a in the sort of northwestern region ah, okay. so like literally the opposite corner of the map and it means that i can sort of still create new mm. places constantly mm. that's yeah. like scratch that itch of world building mm. and even sort of daryl's run a few games for us that again are sort of set in slightly different regions as well that like i've just said have fun at it i don't know what's happening <laughs> in that place yeah make up what you want Great. go for it be grateful so out of your out of your 18 regions how many have you played in how many are kind of vaguely formed how many have you not touched at all oh that's a good question um so i've played in 10 okay and as part of playing in those 10 there have been conflicts with two more Uh, okay three more three more Mm -hmm. really it's a discussion for a slightly different time but i've got (laughs) a a breakdown of all 18 regions and at least something that makes up the core of what that region is yeah there is nothing better than real world culture. Humans in our world are fascinating and yeah. they have <laughs> like anthropology is an absolute jam of mine. I love it. Mm. For instance, I've got one that's like, what if the Wild West was mostly run by Bavarian Germans, cool. but also that they were all orcs as well. Sick. Amazing. So it's just a mixture of like Bavaria meets cowboys meets sort of traditional orc stuff all sort of like thrown in together to see what yeah. that sort of works like love that nice yeah i love finding those contrasts and the connections from disparate places and and seeing what can come of that and yeah again there is nothing greater than real world culture it's just beautiful yeah i can't possibly make up everything that the world has already made up the world (laughs) is glorious Hmm. and worth celebrating yeah. yeah. So yeah, but like I say, we'll we'll have a different discussion about that. That's what we'll do. So we'll, we'll do another one of these, and I'll just track through the whole world. Part two. A visitor's guide. Yeah, yeah. A, travel- a traveler's guide. Yeah. A traveler's guide. Well, like the hitchhiker's guide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any last questions before we wrap up? I have one last question. Mm. Yeah, go on. And I think you kind of vaguely touched on it, but I'll ask it anyway. So the very first chapter when we talked about prehistory and all the things that happened mm. well before. You obviously said that it's it's quite hard for the people of the modern age to know the truth and to kind of understand what went on before mm-hmm. the new gods. Do you kind of envisage that there are mages kind of working on finding answers to these questions? Or is it more that there are just old wives tales being passed down from generation to generation type thing? Yeah, I do think there's definitely people hunting for answers. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's just try- in like an archaeological style, mm. like digging through Dulamir itself. 
or those people that are reaching out to other planes yeah to see if like the answers lie beyond their own world there's definitely that kind of thing because it makes sense with a, a world that has magic would be using magic to try and find those to try answers to communicate exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that there are some some long-lived creatures that that might have been told things. Mm. And that's what a lot of the research is all based on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ultimately, whether or not they're finding the right answers or they're just (laughs) walking themselves into more danger is really what the, the question is. Brilliant. Oh, thank you, David. This has been brilliant. Yeah, thank That's you. That's okay. Thanks for le- letting me ramble at you both for the last hour. <laughs> oh, it's been fun and educational. And informative. <laughs> educational, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go away with more questions than I came in with now, but... Yeah. I'm going to hastily scribble some answers to stuff. That I'm like, <laughs> I didn't think about Yeah, that for another time. Demons in a stone. Right, find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giving Daryl all the ideas. Summon it. <laughs> there we go. Uh... Shall we sign off with the traditional three word? I guess so. Thanks for listening, everyone. And anon for now. I love how that kind of turns into a slow mode. Exactly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.